faith family, pray for us. Greet all the faith family with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the faith family. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Lord, that is revelatory truth from you. And this is what we are here about. Your word, your truths. We sing it. We say it. We walk it together. And God, we worship you. And you alone. So I pray in our time here in your word that you would reveal yourself increasingly so. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning, Harvest. It was uh, uh, Sunday, April 23rd of this year, that we first opened our Bibles <clears throat> as a church family to 1 Thessalonians and began this series on the move, um, a church on the move. Uh, 24 Sundays later, we're here and we are finishing this sermon series today, A Church on the Move as a People Together. And I'll just say, uh, finishing a sermon series is always an interesting thing. Um, maybe more for me than for you, uh, maybe not, but there's aspects of it where, one, it's an exciting thing because uh, we're going to be going over uh, starting next Sunday. We're going to be taking this fall and we're going to fall into the Psalms and we're going to be going over there. So it's always ex- start, exciting to start something new. Um, there's also a bit of a sadness about leaving a series, and uh, particularly for me about leaving this letter and the people of this letter uh, in First Thessalonians. Uh, the church in Thessalonica is a young church, as we've talked about. This is a young church, probably a year or so old, comprised of believers that have only known Christ for like a year or less. And yet the Lord is doing just an incredible work through them. They have their struggles, they have their issues together, they have a whole lot of persecution going on, but I just walk away from this, and I love these peeps, and um, I want to be more like them, and so there's part of it where I kind of don't want to leave them, but we're going to finish strong, so we're in the final uh, four verses, the final four sentences of, of the book, and uh, it has uh, four statement calls in it, and we're just going to dive right in. The first of those calls is verse 25, together includes mutual intercession, mutual intercession. Uh, it simply says, verse 25, brothers, sisters, by the way, the word that's used there, the reason I said even when I was reading early faith family, it, it's the male form of the word, but it's actually the form that was used referring to a group of people. It's kind of like, you know, if you call a ship, there she is. I mean, it's not a female ship. It, it's just that's kind of what we do at times in the culture and the day. That's what was done there. So when it says brothers, it's including the whole of the faith family, brothers, sisters, do what? Pray and pray for us. Um, it's really cool because the beginning of Thessalonians starts with the mindset of prayer. Verses 2 and 3 in chapter 1. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It starts that way. 
Uh, We find in chapter 5, verse 23, that it's calling us to draw uh, toward a a mindset of prayer. And here, it is imperatively asking for prayer in verse 25. Uh, This is a kind of statement that equalizes. And I would say it this way, uh, prayer equalizes. And prayer equalizes because prayer humanizes. What do I mean by that? Here in this passage, the reality is, is that it doesn't matter who you are, what your title is, how rich or poor you are, how good looking you are, what, you're, what you do, where you live. It doesn't matter. When it comes to prayer, all are equal at that place before the Lord in that reality. If you know Christ as your Savior, whoever you are, there all are equal. And what's so cool in this is here's these, if I could say, these three spiritual giants of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and they are asking this new church, these new young believers in Christ, these three spiritual giants are asking regular people to pray for them. That equalizes And I don't think this is just some flippant statement that it's like, yeah, you know, pray for us. Uh, No, this is like, seriously, it's in the imperative form. It's present active imperative. It means to please presently, actively, imperatively, you must pray for us. How cool is that? How cool is that? Prayer equalizes. Teens, pray for your parents. I just want to tell you, when I was a teen, um, uh, there were a lot of cool things about my parents and a lot of not cool things about my parents. And um, uh, parenting's harder than I thought. Teens, pray for your parents. Um, pray for them. Teens, uh, pray for your student ministry leaders and those who are involved in student ministries with you. Pray for them. It's a labor of love. They actually have other jobs. And uh, um, it's a labor of love. They do it because they love you. And they want to move you along. Pray for them. All of us. Pray for our children's ministry workers and leaders. Man, thank you so much for loving on our kids. There is one of the greatest discipleship area of rooms going on, and it's right over there. We have an opportunity to do that, and it's a big passion of mine personally from having been a part of doing leading children's ministries for five years and in a past ministry opportunity, and, and pray for them, that God would be using them and blessing them. I would also say pray for your small group leaders. It's hard to be a small group leader. It really is trying to kind of bring people together from all different places and stages. It's not easy. And, and sometimes we can kind of sit back and it's like, you know what? They're not so good at that. And they would be the first ones to go, not so good at it. I actually stink at it. Pray for them. They need and want your prayers. Pray for your elders and pastors. We need it. That's for sure. Pray for us. You know, people kindly ask, hey, is there anything that I can do for you or for the pastors, for the elders here at this church? And, you know, a lot of times that there are, and uh, and I'm so grateful for that. But I would say, yes, uh, pray. But Doug, that's such a pat answer. Well, that's because we have a pat answer view of prayer. The war is dealt there first. And we would ask, please pray for us. 
pray for us. You know, there's part of that where I say, uh, uh, um, so what should we pray? Well, I'll just say it's interesting in the text because Paul, Silas, and Timothy don't give any specific requests. They don't say, you know what, check your emails and we got a list. Or, or there's a mail coming with all the things. They just say pray. There's a part of me that doesn't want to even say what you might pray for. But then I don't want that to come across like, man, you're being kind of a jerk um, in that. And yet I would say I think there's part of that that is like think, think. What, what is it that others need prayer for? And there's part of that where it's just don't go over a simple list of to-do prayers Think it through, but I am. I'm going to give you three. One I would say is strong relationships. Uh, for your small group leader, for kids ministry leaders and workers, for your pastors, for your elders, so forth, for parents, uh, teachers, uh, pray for strong relationships. Their strong relationship with Jesus, their strong relationship within their own family, and their strong relationship together as a team. Pray for strong relationships. Another would be pray for their protection. And frankly, pray for our protection from ourselves. It's oftentimes the case, our own pride or discouragements or fear. Uh, also, just with protection, pray for just protection from outside things. This way, we live in spiritual warfare. And sometimes, I'm sad to say, but sometimes that includes people. The hardness of people sometimes it can be hard. And, and pray for protection. The third thing would just be character, or character and wisdom. I pray for humility, for leaders, for endurance, for dependence upon the Lord, not by our strength, but by the Lord's strength. Um, pray for wisdom for us. Brothers, sisters, pray for us. Mutual intercession. That's where the groundwork is done. I would pray for more of that. We would be a people of increasing prayer. In fact, I'd like to take a minute and pray. That'd be a good idea? Let me do that. So God, here we are before you. The God of the universe. Jesus Christ interceding. The the word of God is our truth source of who you are and how things work. The spirit of God at work in that. And when we come in this form of prayer, this, this time of prayer, this is a time where the entire Godhead is involved. And that's an awing thing. This is not Santa Claus time with our wish list for a pony. God, this is... Before the throne, with the Godhead involved. And so we pray. God, I pray for this faith family. Love them so dearly, grateful for them so much. Oh, my word, Lord, what a special group of people. And God, I pray for them that we would be increasingly a, a, a team like that in Thessalonica. Broken people redeemed in Christ who are seeking to live for you and figure out what that looks like. Oh God, may we be that kind of a people. Father, I pray in our homes. I pray in our schools. I pray at work. I pray in our neighborhoods, God, that we as a faith family would be increasingly a people that is loving you and loving others in all of those places. God, I pray that you would give us all an increased sense of who you are. 
a greater awe of you, a greater desire for you, a panting like a deer next to the water. We would just want to leap you up more and more for who you are. God, I pray for our teens. They would be young men and women who love you increasingly so and are willing to stand and grow in you. Pray for our student ministry leaders. Pray for our children's ministry leaders and workers. Oh God, I pray that the Spirit of God would be doing a work through them that is far beyond who they are. That there would be no self-recognition for what I have done, but only adoration for what you have done through. Encourage them, help them, give them energy, give them endurance. God, I pray for our small group leaders. Thank you so much for them. Father, I just pray that you'd give them ability beyond themselves to minister. And Lord, in a day and age where there's so much expectation of things, it's hard to be in that place when you're, when you're not awesome. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is you are. And we are not. Encourage them. Use them. God, I pray for our pastors and elders. Thank you so much for them. Father, I pray for our humility. I pray for our dependence. I pray for our relationship with you, with our families, with one another as a team. Oh God, unite us. Strengthen us in those relationships. May we not be fakes, but may we be increasingly what we call others to be and do. God, I pray for protection. Pray for relationships. Pray for protection. God, I pray for character and wisdom. And lastly, Lord, I pray that we would be a church growing in our understanding of what it even means to pray. It is a mystery to me. But you call us to it. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy have asked in a present active imperative fashion. So I pray that we would be an increasing praying church together. Right, church? And we all agree, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 26, together includes mutual affection. Mutual affection. Uh, greet all the brothers, all the sisters, all the faith family with a holy kiss. <laughs> I had someone last Sunday come up to me and said, so are we going to bring out like the kissing cam next Sunday? Actually, I could be okay with that. But uh, no, everybody, it's all right. It's interesting in the verse because the kiss in verse 26 gets the attention. But actually the verb is greet. The verb is greet, and it's a present active imperative as well. It's like, you must greet one another. 
That's the emphasis of it. The, the holy kiss is kind of, honestly, in that day, in that culture in particular, that's the form of it with that. But the main thrust of this verse is to be a greeting place. And by the way, I don't, this, I don't think this is saying in a functional way, like, yeah, we have greeters. This is a heart way. This is a who we are kind of a thing. It's, it's a greet that is fitting of a deep, loving brotherhood and sisterhood. The kiss contains this idea of deep affection for. Back in that day, it would be common to kiss on the forehead, kiss on the cheek, to even in, in, in uh, uh, leaderships between uh, countries and so forth, they would kiss on a hand of a, of a, a larger country or such like that. They would do that. So that was not... Uh, abnormal in the day, but it's interesting in the text it says a holy kiss. That sets it apart, literally. Uh, It's to be something set apart just from what everybody else does. A handshake is great, a high five is great, a hug is great, but it has this idea that there is just a depth to it. It's not a formal thing. It's actually a heartfelt, heart put out thing. It's visible, it's concrete, it's demonstrable, it's a symbolic expression of meaningful relationship, care, and effect and affection. We are a team together. And if you ever played on a team, you know what this text is talking about. There's just something about being on a team in that. By the way, can I note this on a team, especially like if it was a larger team, if it's like a football team kind of thing, it doesn't mean you have to know everybody really well. It doesn't even mean that you have to really like everybody really well. But you love them. I remember back in the day in high school playing football, there were some guys where I'd just be fine if we like traded them to a different high school. But we were a team. And as hard as times as they were to get along with, there was still a depth of love and appreciation. And when they did something well, we celebrated it, even though they weren't the ones that I would go out with uh, on a normal time with it. But we were a team in it all. There's an affection. And that's special because I don't think we do that very well in the church today. Church has kind of become a, an optional thing. It's kind of a, you know, if I feel like it, then I'll, I'll do it kind of mindset. And, and then church oftentimes has become, well, that's the place I go to get some Christian posse friends together. And once I have my posse friends together, I really don't need any other posse friends because, you know, I got my posse friends and that's all really I'm here for. And it's like, where's the discipleship minded, loving others, loving the Lord like that? This is not a club. This is something different than that. And that affection shows in that. As a result of kind of all that, church has become kind of a consumer commodity thing. I just want to note here that I am so blessed that we are in a community and even a country where there are so many good gospel-grounded churches. I mean, here in our community, I'm so grateful for Pastor Scott over at City View. Scott and I get together on a pretty regular basis, and I love the dude. He's our kind of guy. I'm so grateful for Pastor Greg at Crossbridge. I'm so grateful for Pastor Matt at Kingsway. We've, we've had lunch together in the past. I'm so grateful for Pastor David, the, the campus pastor at the New Traders Point West that's been just recently planted. And we're working to get together and have some lunch together. I'm so grateful for Pastor Chad at the New Echo Church's meeting and the YMCA. I mean, and the list goes on. 
And I want to tell you, when I found out Traders Point West is coming, and I mean a huge church coming into the area, and it's like, no, you can't do that. It's like, what's with that attitude? Come, man. We need strong, good gospel churches, right? Because there's a whole bunch of people that don't know Christ, and there's a lot of grain to be harvested. So more for it, brothers. Come uh, in that. And by the way, I'll say if you're looking for a church, those are maybe some churches you should consider checking. And Karen and I have been in a situation where we've had to leave a church for situations. It's a hard thing to do. But listen, this is bigger than about my thing or our thing. There's, but there, go get somewhere where you can have this kind of mutual affection is the point. We are blessed with opportunities and options. But church is not a commodity. It's a place that's a familial reality. Mutual, familial affliction. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Verse 27. Together includes mutually informed. I love this. The text actually switches person in the grammar. It goes to I. Do you see that there in verse 27? Um, it switches to first person. This literally is kind of like at the end of Second Thessalonians and some others uh, where Paul is like, I'm going to grab the pen now and I'm going to finish the letter. Uh, it's very likely that as they were working this through that Timothy or Silas is penning it down as they're talking this through and the Spirit of God is working in that and then here it's like, no, Paul is like, no, 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 I, I'm going to say something here. I'm going to finish this thing out in my apostolic kind of penmanship here. And notice the intensity of this. I put you under oath. I, I ask that you swear that you will, is the idea of here. That, that before the Lord that you swear that you will read this letter to all the faith family. You know, I look at that and it's kind of like, how can we apply that? Um, We're going to read it here in a little bit. The whole thing. It's not that long. We're going to read it. Because I don't want to walk away and disobey scripture. (laughs) Why read the letter? Just a note. Why why would Paul especially be so urgent about doing that? Uh, Because the word of God is for everyone. And you have to understand in that day, this is, it's for everyone in, in that day, not, not everyone uh, 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 read. The norm was not being able to read. And yet we have a church that's young, a church that is suffering, a church that even in themselves have some conflict going on. There's some confusion. There's some uninformedness on some things. And, and, and one of the tendencies could be for people to kind of go to elitism. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not going to share this with everyone. We're going to kind of translate it and dish it out as we want to. And Paul here in this letter is like, no, you read this to everybody so everybody is together in this whole thing of what's going on. I love that. There is no inner circle with God's word. It's all equal at the foot of God's word. Secondly, because the word of God is the power of God. Not only is the word of God for all, but the word of God is the power of God. Romans ten fourteen. how are they to know if it is not declared? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Oh, I could spend some time on that. The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God. 
Let me say that again. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God. And by the way, in Ephesians 6, this is the only offensive weapon. This is the only non-defensive protective weapon. What is that? The Word of God. Oh, by the way, not just the Word of God, but the Spirit of God using the Word of God. The Word of God is such an important thing that even the Spirit of God uses it as His central tool. And oftentimes, it's kind of like in our mindsets today, when I talk with people, it's like the Word of God is an optional thing. I'll tell you what, when the Word of God becomes an optional thing to the Spirit of God, then it's an optional thing. But as long as the Word of God is the central tool being used by the Spirit of God, I'm kind of like, I think that's a good tool. So all in on the Word of God. Mutually informing everyone is to be a student of God's word. And we are so blessed we have it here. And we're to be talking it and reading it and studying it and informing one another in it. I recently read that someone mentioned a term, we should be gossiping it. Gossip, gossip is unbiblical, but listen, gossip the scriptures. Hey, did you hear? Hey, did you know? Shh, did you know? Gossip the word of God. I like that. So are we going to read it aloud? Yeah, we are. But first, let's finish. Verse 28. Together includes mutually graced. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. How cool. The letter opens, by the way, with grace to you and peace. And here it closes with grace to you. Just say this, without grace, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are just some other group of guys. And without grace, the letter of 1 Thessalonians is just another letter written to a group of people in a city. And grace is the profound truth of the scriptures. You go to any other spiritual system that is proposed out there, and it is not grace-based. You go to the Mormon Bible, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, it's all works-oriented. You go to the Quran, it's all works-oriented. And the list goes on. You come to God's Word, and there is this crazy thing called grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. That, friends, is radical. And if you are trying to earn your favor with God, I call you to come and see the scriptures and understand grace. Made available, not because of how good you are, but because of how awesome the Lord Jesus Christ is. Doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Oh, more of that, more of that. Romans 11, 5, you are chosen by grace. Ephesians 2, which I quoted, but God rich in mercy. By grace you have been saved, not by works. It is a gift of God. Hebrews 13, 9. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Isn't that cool? Hebrews 13, 9. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. 
And then last Sunday, now may the God, now may God himself sanctify you. He will do it. He will do it. And here today, the grace of who? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. What about it? Be with you. Wrapped in grace. Mutual intercession. Mutual affection. Mutually informed. Mutually graced. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles. Or digitally shut it down. And I want for us to imagine ourselves. Imagine that we are a a one-year-old church and that uh, we are essentially believers that are only one year old or younger in the Lord. We've lived our entire lives here in Thessalonica. You really don't know anything else outside of this. You've grown up in the reality of given your, having given your allegiance to various deities within this room, the history of where your business related was oftentimes the deity upon which you would have uh, given your allegiance to, whether that was Aphrodite or Dionysius or Demeter or Cabris or Serapis or Zeus or Isis. Imagine you come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from these guys called Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Then you come to understand by the work of the Spirit of God in your life, this is unlike anything you've ever heard before. And you receive Christ as your Savior. Glory to God. And yet in that, you understand that you are greatly disliked. Greatly disliked. You're greatly disliked by all of the local political structures, by all of the corporate uh, and union structures in that day that were in place, by all the religious powers to be. You were not liked at all. In fact, maybe the proper word would be to say you were hated. And in fact, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, your, your spiritual mentors, your, your, your spiritual fathers and parents, had to hightail it out of town in the middle of the night, ultimately out of protection for you because of the uprising that was going on. But God has been at work in spite of all that. And God is on the move in us, and he's on the move through us and out of us. We are Thessalonica. So no Bibles. 95% of you, at least, cannot even read anyway if you had one on your lap. Oh, and by the way, there were no screens in that day. Just this letter, and here we are together. And these three guys wrote, and you are jazzed about it. What do they have to say? So listen. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you 
Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word with much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi prior to coming to you, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much affliction. For our appeal does not spring from error. It does not spring from impurity. It does not spring from any kind of attempt to deceive. But just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext of greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have demanded uh, it as an apostle of Christ. But we were gentle among you. Gentle like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves because you had become so dear to us. For you remember, brothers and sisters, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. But we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, For a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, 
When we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are desire, we, we are destined for this. For we were with you, we, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass, and, and just as you know. For this reason, we could, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would have been in vain. But now... Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as long as we, uh, as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you so that we may establish your heart's blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. We're not done with the letter yet, but I think it'd just be good just to pause for a second and just say, how sweet. Do you feel it? I hope you feel it. That's what family God's family feels and does. By the way, have you noticed there's a boat on the platform? <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah, I kind of noticed that, huh? Um, I want to just talk about this here for a couple. Um, we got this boat up here. I'm so grateful for Michael Price working with the uh, Indianapolis Rowing Club at Eagle Creek for us to be able to have this here today. And um, as, let me just talk a couple things about this boat here. Uh, this is a boat. This is the, the shell of it and then the oars and the whole uh, mechanics of it here. And Michael's been just such a help to me in kind of coming to understand some things about it. This has been the image we've used in this series with this boat here. And um, let, let me talk just for a couple what goes on in a boat of things that I've come to learn about let, let me uh, go through the team, and, and let's start with, uh, let's go ahead and get our image up, because we're kind of stepping out for a second, and then let's go to the next slide, and I want to talk about kind of the first person you see up on the slide, it, it's called the coxswain, uh, it looks like coxswain, but it's a coxswain in this. Now, this is a single boat that we have up here, but we're, I'm going to be referencing an eight boat, uh, eight person boat, and uh, this gives you an idea. The, the, let me just... The coxswain, the, the coxswain, can you see in the picture, if you know, doesn't have any uh, oars to row. That person has a unique job about them. Uh, this person that is, is uh, in, in the uh, stern of the boat, the bow is the front of the boat, they're, they're the only ones that can see actually where the boat is going, by the way. Isn't that interesting? There's so many illustrations that could come out of that. By the way, this position, you don't want a really hefty person in that. 
In fact, Michael was saying that it's most common that actually it's, it's a woman here just because of, well, can I say how God's designed people? Well, there's a lot in that as well. And, and so the, the coxswain is the one who sees what's ahead and is really the mouth of the boat for the rest of the team, if you will. Very important position, very important place. And then the next is the, is the uh, uh, go ahead with the, yeah, the stroke oars. I've got really, it's the first person here is the stroke oar. That, that's the person who is right in front of the coxswain. And so as the coxswain is talking, because everyone is behind him because he's facing the opposite way. By the way, uh, they can only see the present and the past. They can't see the future. But this one's telling them about the future. And this one is then responding off of the coxswain here. And the stroke oar is like the drummer uh, giving the beat of what's going. And what she or he is saying in that then is he, he is moving. And so if the pace picks up, the timing of it, if the drum beat moves faster, everybody follows off of that. And, and then you have kind of the next person in, a, in, a, in an eight-person boat, boat where the next one is kind of the left side of that or the opposite side of that. Because some, Michael said that some in the back of the boat can't quite see what the, 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 the stroke or is doing. And so on that side, it's kind of like this is the stroke or junior here. And so they're setting the pace for it all. And, and, and there's a whole thing going up. By the way, uh, let's watch a little video here to watch what goes on in an actual race, George Washington University, a minute long, actual race with a coxswain talking to get a feel for how this whole thing works. Go ahead and play that and let's take a look. Try through. Quick. Quick, lengthen, and pull, let's build. One, ten, two, ten, three, sharp, four, forty-six, five, very good, six, very good. One, make our school proud, boys. Two, jump. Three, yeah, we're moving away. Four, bow, I'm on bow deck. Five, on bow ball. Six, seven, together. Eight, together. Nine, long releases. Ten. All right, boys, five for releases. And I'm on bow ball again. Ready? Five. Release. Four. Release. Three. Release. Two. Release. And one, boys. Last 350. This is our last 350. Go. Breathe. Breathe. I want this right here. 36. Good. And I'm on open. I'm on open, but are not. we're not on open yet. Let's go. We're going to beat Navy by open today, boys. Breathe. You got to believe. Let's believe, boys. I don't know if he was cussing in there. Or, or, or what's going on in there? I hope not. But, but in it, uh, I can tell you when you listen, it's on YouTube and when you listen to it, it it's he's talking things. There's a whole variety of things doing. He's telling them where they're at and the positioning of it. Uh, he, he is also communicating to them that what's the next move, where, where they're at in the process. He's giving them the bead of it here. And, and the guy right that you see there is the stroke oar who's responding off of that with it. And then you can see the oars behind everybody, behind him, and they're following off of that with what's taking place. And, and, and in it, he's also encouraging them. It's like, go boys, go boys, go boys. We're going to take this, boys, at the one point in it. And he also, like, I think he makes a statement to, to, to one rower or something like that. But, but that's what's going on. And, and they're, they're a team in there. And that position is really important. And that's really important. And that's really, but yet they're all unique in how they work together. Uh, so let's go to the next set. So the next four guys, as I've come to understand, is called the powerhouse. That's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? 
And here's the thing as Michael was talking about this is that the, the two in the front and the two in the back, we'll get to here in just a second, the, the two in the front and the two in the back, they're not in the middle because it's the four in the middle are the ones who just have a power to put it out. And it doesn't mean that they're huge. It's just like they have been designed to be able to put out power in the kind of a way that the stroke or and the bow or guys uh, can't quite do. They're, they're just uniquely built. I think Michael even said that the seat is bigger in the powerhouse area. Why might that be? More beef on the table. That's why. Was that, was that rude? I didn't mean that. <laughs> With, and it, it's designed together as a team. And you want four guys that have the ability to listen and carry it out. They're not doing their own little independent thing because they're functioning as a team in it all. And, and yet they are pulling it through and they have a great ability to be the engine on the boat. And then you've got the last two. I'm kind of naming them as the bow oars or these two in the back. They're kind of built like the one stroke oars up front, but they're in the back. And I guess they have uh, some ability to be able to swing the boat a little bit in. Is that right, Michael? If I have that. Um, I don't know nothing about this if I sound like I do. It's just, it's been cool to learn about it though. And yet they are really important in the back of what's going on. Let me say it this way. Unified plurality. That's a team. And not everybody is the same, but they are unique in their positions. And those that are, have the oars, they can only see the present and the past, and they can't see the future. And yet one is there, and, and I'm not relating this, to, if you will, to me in this. I mean, there's Michael and I were talking, and Michael's really kind of communicating to me. I mean, there's things about this that could be related to the Godhead. There's, there's things that could be related to as a church with things. It's just a cool illustration of what takes place in the whole of it all. And by the way, they're also placed in a substance called water. And that is a whole other dynamic added to it. And not only the water, but the wind. And as I came to learn that even in these boats, that as the wind is moving, the two sides have to adjust to that. That's team, right? And the water can actually push you forward or it can press against you. Uh, There's so many cool things in it. Team Thessalonica was like that. They were a team on the move. Unified plurality, working together, seeing the Lord in it. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy loved them. And yet in it, as with any team, as teams always do, there's some confusion and some other things going on that they need help with. So let's take the slides out and let me finish the letter. Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, 
Let no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about, what those, about those who are asleep. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, um, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore... Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. Done. (laughs) The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And so, Lord, it is at the proclamation and the reading and the hearing of your word that we are awed at you. 1 Thessalonians is about a story of individuals living in a culture that was just a catastrophic, uh, false, God-worshipping, living cesspool. And yet, when the good news of Jesus Christ came to town, ears perked up, Souls were looking for the answer. And they found it. And the person and the work of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God did a work in these people. Lord, you did a work through them beyond themselves. Oh, what sweet people they are. I'm going to miss being with them every week. But I pray may we not forget them. These are the kind of people we want to be like. On the move for you, Lord. Not perfect. Making mistakes. Working things out. Struggling through. And rejoicing in it all. Because we know the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Creator of creation. We have been redeemed by the work of Christ. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room who does not have such a story as that, I would ask that the Spirit of God would just be continuing to drive in them a yearning to know who you are. They would talk with someone. How can I know that I know that I know that I am redeemed in Christ? And so God, we are thankful. We are blessed. And we are here to be used, to be put on the move as a team. It's a unified plurality for your glory. Do a work in us, Lord, we pray. Do a work through us, Lord, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.